Hey guys, my name is Alex, and you're listening to the Thousand Movie Project Podcast, where, again, I come to you without a script, and I'm recording this at 5.30 in the morning, and my roommate is sleeping in the living room, as he often does, so I'm kind of keeping my voice down, but also speaking softly, because I just woke up. I woke up at 4.30, and then I couldn't go back to sleep, and I think the reason my mind is so active, like, part of the reason, for sure, is because I went out last night. Well, I didn't go out. I went to a bar near my apartment, which I never consider, quote-unquote, going out, and maybe that's a Miami thing, where the the notion of going out means getting dressed up, um, taking part in a sort of community activity. I never do that. I always go out either by myself or with my girlfriend, which was a kind of a mindfuck thing recently. She invited me to go and have dinner with two of her friends. Her friends are engaged, they have a nice apartment in Midtown, and we joined them on their patio and we had burgers and shit, and then when we left I was like, okay, that's the second couple to whom my girlfriend has introduced me. The associate, like, I'm, I'm getting a sense of her network of friends. And then I thought, okay, well, I guess I should start introducing her to my friends. And then I, like, started thinking about it, and I was like, I don't have any. Not that I don't have any friends. I have met, there are many people with whom I'm, I'm very intimately acquainted. But I realize that almost all of my most intimate friendships are, like, entirely just written correspondence with occasional Zoom calls. My two friends that I always bring up here, Bob and Linda, they moved to Orlando briefly. I think they're trying to head out toward Italy, but there's, and it was so jarring to realize um, that it's been months since I hung out with a friend face to face. I've spoken to many uh, on Zoom, kept in touch, and I don't feel isolated, but it was just weird. And I started thinking like, is this a toxic consequence of my feverish, desperate productivity that, like, I'm so consumed with trying to get as as many things done as I possibly can that I've just completely overlooked the fact that I'm doing them in complete solitude. Although, you know what, probably the very fact that I have a girlfriend is probably a major component of this, which is insofar as, like, I don't, I don't go seeking other people's company because I guess it's just one of the things in an exclusive relationship. You'd start thinking like, if you're, if you are wanting for company, you re- you resort to that person, and then also, by extension, you need to make yourself available to them. Okay, that and that that was one thing that was going on. Definitely was not the reason that I started recording this. The reason I started recording this, is, and I think the reason I woke up so early is because for the past three days, two nights and three days, I've been dog-sitting for a relative and they have a huge house and a wonderful dog and they paid me for it. Totally didn't have to because the house is so wonderful and the dog is so wonderful. And the house is situated like right in the center of Coral Gables, which as I've mentioned many times is my dream locale. Just my dream my dream home would be here. And yet it's so like I okay, I respect the fact that deep down I really want to live in Coral Gables and and my three days alone in this house totally validated 
that conviction. But at the same time, over the past three days, I've been reading um, a, a, an Elmore Leonard novel called Pronto. It's the first in his series about um, a U.S. Marshal named Raylan Givens, and that series was the basis for the FX TV show Justified. But it's not a Western, which the trailers for the show always gave me the impression that it would be. It's just, you know, crime kind of caper stories. And this one involves, uh, you know, a longtime criminal who collects his, you know, stored away pocket of change, and he goes and he lives in Italy. And while at the age of 66, this retired criminal living in Italy, he just sort of has his hands in his pockets and he walks around the streets and he like tries to see if he can pass for an Italian and he sits quietly at cafes and he sips his espresso and he looks around. You, you, you get the vibe of this character of like, I made it. Where he, like he did this whole life of crime and it all amounted to this. And, the, and I think the thing that's kind of beautiful and compelling about it is he spent his whole life pursuing this kind of lifestyle. He achieved it, and, so, and it was everything he wanted it to be. Which is to say, it was kind of like totally unremarkable. And, wh and what was kind of moving and resonant about the idea of it being totally exactly what he wanted and totally unremarkable is that that's exactly what I was experiencing these past three days at the beautiful house in Coral Gables with this elderly dog, and I infinitely prefer elderly dogs to younger or middle-aged dogs because they're so sedate and they're so tender, and I, I just think it's very charming that they've got, like, the gray hairs on their face. But yeah, so this house is is huge. It's It's got a bunch of bedrooms. It has, I think, three patios, a dock with a boat on a canal. It's got a balcony, a massage chair, pinball machines, televisions galore, with sound systems galore. It's got a piano, and like, but and the thing that most compelled me was, and perhaps best of all, it's got a spacious and comfortable office. And I spent my entire three days in that office, and in the course of those three days, I wrote 50 pages of fiction, and now suddenly I'm working on another short novel. I think I'll be done with it very soon, so it's not going to be a huge detour from my other sort of creative endeavors, but I've never in my life written 50 pages of fiction in three days. And it was just, it was, and like, I would wake up at seven, and I would sit down, and then I would work until like noon, and I would get up and I would eat something, and I would take the dog for a, a walk, and then I would come back to the desk and I would do a little more writing, and it was totally fucking bliss. And then in the evening I would do some reading, and then my joint, my girlfriend joined me, and we took a bottle of wine down to the deck, and we sat like on the water, and we drank the bottle of wine, and it was totally quiet, and then we went back inside, and it was a totally unremarkable life for those three days, and yet it was so fucking enchanting and wonderful to just have that sedate withdrawal from from society. And I've noticed lately, like when I post something, in the very rare occasion that I post something on Instagram, like most recently, you know, I posted a photo of the cover sheet of the book that I finished writing, which is called Cuba Fruit, and I just put a little like celebratory passage about how hard I worked on it, and I'm, I'm very pleased with the final product. But I like for that post as well as some of the previous ones, I deactivated the comments function. Not not because I don't want the input of the, the people that I know on Instagram. It's largely because I have a lot of friends. Maybe it's a male thing, but just it's very hard for some of my friends to 
just say congratulations or hey, good job or something like that. They have to turn everything into a joke, not at all in a derisive or condescending way. It's just that that's their way of showing affection. Um, so if it's called Cuba fruit, maybe they, they would leave a post, a comment like, huh, huh, sure it's not booty fruit or something fucking stupid where it's like, it's a joke that's so bad. It's not even intended to be taken seriously as a joke, it's just their way of saying something. Chiming in on your momentous occasion so that, you know, they can be a part of it, you can feel recognized by them in whatever way. And so I'm in this big-ass house and, and, and my girlfriend comes over and I was telling her, like, this is my fucking dream, this is wonderful. And she was looking around and she is very appreciative of, like, design and decoration and layout and she was going through the house with me and she was she was just smitten by how the way she was describing it like how much love is on the walls like it's a big wonderful elegant luxurious house and yet almost every inch of wall space is taken up with photos of the family and not just photos of the family doing family type shit like touches of the family's sense of humor there are jokes all over the place and you can see that in this big house which is kind of like its own geographic ecosystem it's also its own like cultural ecosystem they have their own like cultural literature which is their familial inside jokes it's certainly been my experience and maybe yours that when you go to a big luxurious house like that it tend like tends to be marble floors a sort of sterile cold futuristic modernist kitchen and it just feels it's very beautiful and clean and sparkly and nice and elegant and it, it looks moneyed but it doesn't feel like home this place felt like a home and she was saying you know this is just it's been part of her dream too is the big house and and she and i were kind of like pawing at the dark trying to articulate what it is that is so compelling about the house and i think it's that the house is more than a house i think the underlying idea in that fantasy of have of owning a mansion and living in one is the general idea of financial security because with that notion of financial security comes a sort of i don't know amelioration of all of the kind of vague concerns that follow us around in a cloud concerns about whether we'll be able to provide for our loved ones concerns about you know are we going to be bankrupted by breaking an ankle and, and having to deal with all of those medical fees i recorded a podcast over the weekend on my phone because I, I wasn't around my desk and stuff i don't think i'll end up posting it but i i, I mentioned i was exploring the idea if that doesn't sound too lofty that when most people talk about a fantasy of becoming rich, it sounds very, like, capitalist and self-interested and rah-rah and I don't know, very Charles Foster Kane. But I, I, I'm, I really think that when most people fantasize about being wealthy, they have a major part of that fantasy is giving back, like supporting other people. And yeah, it's not entirely charitable because the fantasy is that you will be able to throw 10 grand on the on the on the table to, to get your mother something and yes the idea is that you're taking care of your mother but it's also a self-serving and self-satisfying idea of like you're the sort of person who can afford to take care of your mother it's a sort of complicated there's a there's a short story in david foster wallace's book brief interviews with hideous men where someone is just like elaborating on the whole ethical conundrum of give it whether or not to make a charitable donation with their name attached to it or should they do it anonymously is it kind of unethical and self-serving to donate like a huge sum of money and put your name at the top of it because then people are going to be thinking not like oh this will do such a great thing for the charity or what might the charity do with that money instead the narrative becomes oh wow 
Big Dick McGee donated $10,000 to such and such charity. And you kind of take the spotlight away from the people you're trying to empower. But anyways, I think I've mentioned this thing of removing the comment section from my Instagram posts. And also, I do think it is not a good thing that I've allowed myself for several months to go without meeting up with a friend face-to-face and enjoying their company. And yet, I think it reflects that I've been very contented these past few months by myself, which is something... It's a, it's a tricky thing to navigate because on the one hand, you don't want to ever fall into this habit of thinking like, oh, I don't need anyone else. I'm fine being alone because when you're alone for too long, and I've certainly fucking experienced this, you start seeing the world in ways that it is not. If I'm alone for too long my, and I'm not getting other people's input face to face and I'm not expressing myself in front of other people who are there to call me on my bullshit or to tell me like, you're totally twisting reality, then I will start to create a kind of alternate reality and I will look at something and see some see it as something generally more threatening than it actually is. And my response to that threat not only is, is not generally to panic, but to become aggressive and like very combative. So it isn't great to be totally isolated. And certainly spending a lot of time with my girlfriend has helped to keep me from falling into that trap. But I'm realizing that my desire to post things on Instagram now and then is kind of, I want, it's a, it's a desire to share things with people, but not to hear their feedback. Back. And what comes to mind also is Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith and his wife do a podcast called Plus One. And recently they did one devoted to the fact that their daughter, who I think is 23 or 4, she just recently moved out into her own house and she is an actor and she has lots of money of her own. And Smith and his wife were talking and you can tell they get caught up just sort of in talking about their life as, it, as though it is their life. And they don't feel the kind of meta need to qualify the fact that they did something that clearly cost a lot of money. Hey folks, I know it sounds like I'm rich, I'm not rich, but it, it, just because because you do alienate a huge portion of your audience if you start speaking casually about the fact that you rented a bus and traveled the country. But Kevin Smith does a bunch of different podcasts and I noticed that when he does a recording with or about his family, he is more gigglesome and he reflects a, like a, a contentment that you don't see in, or here, I guess, in some of his other shows, like, he really is an irritable guy, I think, and when he does, you know, Fat Man Beyond, which is the pod, the pod, the geek culture podcast that he does live, he's also always making passive-aggressive remarks about something that someone said in the comment section, or that someone wrote in a little fucking throwaway clickbait article about him and his work. He seems like a guy who is very, who loves what he does, and he's very proud of whatever he has written or edited. He's proud of having been the showrunner for Masters of the Universe, which recently went on to Netflix. He's very proud of having just directed Clerks 3 and of editing Clerks 3 at his home office. But it does seem like the locus of all the things in which he takes great pride, the locus of all those things is his home office. It seems like he really genuinely resents a lot of the things that he does to butter his bread. Financially speaking, like, he does not seem to like doing this podcast and engaging with an audience, but I think he has to do these kinds of things in order to have enough money so that he can have what, we, what we're kind of talking about, the big house. The big house, which is more than a big house. It's the big house where you can retreat from 
the world from the bullshit of like Instagram comments and just sit in your comfortable office and do your preferred work all day and then at the end of it, open a bottle of wine, and there are many bottles of wine, so you don't have to worry about what they cost, and then you go with your significant other down to the dock, and you sit quietly, and you talk, and you giggle, and another layer of it, and th this is what first came to mind when I woke up at 4.30, and I was like, I'm so fucked, I'm gonna be so tired when I get to work, and I'm gonna be at work for fucking 12 hours. What I was thinking of is, there I was in the office at my relative's house, and I was writing, and I was very focused, and... It was constructive writing, it wasn't entirely like just, you know, having a good time. I was like really trying to make sure that what I was doing was the best that I could do. And simultaneously, I was enjoying the comfort of this big house. And so it was this experience of like, I was doing, the, I was practicing the craft that I practice, which is writing, and I, at one point I recorded a podcast, while simultaneously enjoying the thing, the big house, that I hope to achieve by practicing this craft. I don't know if that makes sense. It was just a weird meta experience where it, it was a weird kind of circular thing. John Barth has a collection of short stories called Lost in the Funhouse, and on the first page of that very slim volume, there is a strip of paper. You're supposed to cut it out from the page, and you twist it like a helix, and you, you, you scotch tape the two ends together. And on, on one side of the sheet, it says, once upon a time, and on the other side of the sheet, it says, there was a story that began. And so this never-ending cycle of, once upon a time, there was a story that began, once upon a time, there was a story that began. That was the experience of sitting in that office and doing that work, and I don't know, it was just... Uh, I don't know, and the, the, the book I was reading about that dude who, at the end of his crime career, disappears to Italy, I've just been thinking, like, fuck... I think that's what I'm aiming for, is to get away. And my girlfriend was saying, like, you do seem contented where you are in Little Havana, and I, I have my routine, it's true, and I go to these bars and I very much enjoy them, but, but there is a way in which my routine doesn't feel like it quite belongs to me. Like, even now, you hear me, I'm in, in my apartment and I'm recording this, but I'm whispering it because I don't want to disturb my roommate. And also, there are times when I want to go to a bar, and just because it's in keeping with my routine, but... I can't go to that bar. Something I was discussing with my girlfriend is the fact that she works in retail and I work in, hus in, in hospitality, I work at a restaurant, and so we don't have the normal Monday through Friday, 9 to 5. Not only that, we don't have consistent schedules. Sometimes she's working on the weekends, almost invariably one of us is working through the weekend. And very often we don't even know what day of the week it is. And if we, if we, we decide, hey, let's get together, and it just happens to be a Friday or a Saturday night, that means we cannot go to the bar where we normally go because it's going to be packed to capacity. It's going to be ladies' night if it's a Friday or something else. And then last night, I tried to go to one of the two bars that I go to, but it was fucking comedy night, and I hate comedy night. And as I was saying to her the other night when we were sitting on that dock drinking wine, like, I know a lot of people are, are, are inspired to move toward Miami or toward Los Angeles or toward New York City because the, the idea is every night is Friday night. And I think what I want in life is to live someplace where every night is Tuesday. I really like Tuesdays. I had, a, I had an aunt who really fucking hated Tuesdays. They really bothered her. And I, her thing was like, Sunday is the day of the Lord. Monday is the beginning of the work week. Wednesday, you're halfway through hump day. Ha ha ha. And then Thursday is characterized entirely by a sort of appetizer savoriness. You're anticipating Friday. And then Friday is Friday. And then Saturday is, of course, like a day of rest. But so every, every day of the week in her weird estimation had some kind of dignifying 
characteristic, something that distinguished itself, whereas Tuesday was just this sort of purgatorial, calendric abomination. Anyways, that's that. I've been talking for a long... I can't believe I talked this long without a script. I guess I'm just so flooding over with thoughts and emotions about that fucking retreat? I don't know what you would call it. But anyways, I gotta brood on this. I think I need to leave the country. Um, anyways, thanks for listening. Talk to you next time.